0: The opinions expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk podcast network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. This is the Anime Roundtable Canada presented by Anime North on this Wednesday evening, June 8th, 2022. You can contact us online on the web, animeroundtable.com, Twitter and Instagram at Anime Roundtable. And email us, animeroundtable at gmail. Well, this is good news. We get to do an episode almost on time. We're not late. Two weeks on from the last episode. This is actually progress.
1: Yes, it all depends on your uh, idea of a timetable, right? Yeah, which uh, as things
0: have kind of started to normalize again, at least in terms of real life, as I said, it kind of messes up this show.
1: Well, there could be other things too, Mike. I, I saw last week Heritage Committee had hearings on C11 and they're just going to push that through so we'll have another algorithm uh, to jump through to see if we're Canadian enough, right?
2: Or, or we might get lucky and win the algorithm.
0: See, that's the thing. This is, I have some mixed feelings about that. And I'm not totally sure it's a good thing overall, but may not be the worst thing for the this great,
3: show.
1: The great thing that was hilarious about that hearing is that the Liberals had the majority, of course, on the thing, so they got to do all the witnesses except one. All the witnesses they called were from industry, and of the telecoms, Rogers, uh, Bell, Chorus, whatever you want to say, they called not one, but two Bell executives a female and a male bell executive. It's like, what like what was the point of that? It just. And the funny thing was, a lot of them were saying the same things they said about C-10. And then, of course, the joke was, the conservatives, they're the only ones who actually called a content creator. And they called uh, JJ McCullough from uh, BC to come on over. And I think he had a nice little YouTube video on that saying, crazy... Person only crazy person that uh, was there that people were wondering about saying what are you talking about talking crazy talk but the funny oh. thing though is he's the only one who actually showed up in person every other person came in video it was like wow there's a certain irony to that isn't there it, well think about it he had to come all the way on his own dime for bc to show up in person he had to you wait know. because they were doing a vote on another bill That actually concerned his uh, province of BC in regards to small amounts of um, drugs. And so that delayed the hearing. But he showed up in person. All the others that may have had offices in Ottawa didn't show up. And it's like, how much do you guys care about this bill? It's just, it feels like they're just pushing it through and we'll see how it affects us all, right? Well, that's sort of,
0: that sort of uh, comes down to the apathy theme that's been. Canadian politics in the last couple of weeks, or probably even longer, but kind of came to a head this week. I mean, we're going to talk Anime North again, but one thing we're all we'll talk about again is also the Toronto Congress Center, which is tra- also traditionally used for Conservative Party gatherings, whether they're whether they're election night parties or par- or party conventions to uh, to elect new leaders and. So was the case again last week when the provincial government or when the provincial election here in Ontario happened. The um, Conservatives won uh, won a re-election with an even bigger majority and and Premier Doug Ford's election party, just like four years ago, took place at the Toronto Congress Centre. What an optic there. Anyway, as I said, um, it's kind of cool that we're able to do it two weeks in a row, and it's even cooler that it's a full table. So Mike Nicholas sitting at six points, and then James Austin, Kevin Ng, Mohamed Shamarkey, Jeff Gregg at their respective points throughout the greater Toronto and Hamilton area. When we say, uh, we have to kind of say G-T-H-A these days, I think. Okay, so where do you want to?
1: Where else do you want to? We talked to C. Was it C eleven? Yeah, ten. It's C eleven now because C ten was killed with uh, the election, and then C eleven is where it is now. But that'll just be another uh, algorithm that we'll have to jump through and stuff like that. But who knows uh, how that goes? But it was funny listening to some of that hearing. It's like they're living in a different century compared to a lot of us, and then <laughs> trying to explain to them and saying. This is the type of stuff you hear, and we brought up other things in that testimony, I know, J.J., about Hungary and China. And they're saying, well, no, it's not like that, or stuff like that. And you're just shaking your head saying, yes, it isn't quite like that. Yes, we have freedom of expression, but there are things about that that it just doesn't pass the smell test, so to speak. But we'll see how it goes. And ultimately, uh, all
0: the jokes I've made in the last five minutes about it, I... Let's just, I I still want to, I haven't given myself time to really look at it, but call me skeptical regardless.
1: But the other thing they brought up, I know one of them from Quebec brought up bilingualism and it's too bad JJ didn't push the one point, but it's hard when you're on the clock and stuff like that. But the other thing is I would worry about the Quebec, the French content creators say they go to us in Anglo-Canada, right? To English-Canada. They're going to be flooded with things of why is this in my feed? What you know what I mean, and that's just going to oh no, make them, I mean, make them feel worse. You know what I mean, and make them maybe not want to be on YouTube or on Twitch and stuff like that, which would they'll be sad.
4: They'll have a separate algorithm that they'll only get um, French, uh, you know, French language uh, content. We'll st- also get French language content, but they will only get it. Like they'll they'll somehow hack the system, so that happens. Oh. Uh, but keep, uh, keep in mind, there's uh, keep in mind the a lot of the people who will. It would
1: have been interesting to see if they brought a, twi- a person from Twitch on that too to explain that to them because it's like how do you even figure out Canadian content on video games or Twitch or any of that? It's like that'll just go into the ether. Only Ubisoft games will be permitted, and only from the specific studios in Canada. I was, I was thinking of. Tribute Games because they're working on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge and they look like proud French-Canadian boys and stuff like that, but they love the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles which is an American property and they're making that game and they're involved, Uh, Dot Emu from Europe's involved and then obviously uh, Nickelodeon them from the States are involved so it's kind of like, what is that even? It's like, probably the Canadian government would say, no not even close to Canadian content (laughs) <laughs> was
4: was the Scott Pilgrim game developed in Canada?
1: No, it was started in Canada at Ubisoft, and that team
4: from Tribute before they uh,
1: went their own way, they worked on a bit of it, and then remember it went to Ubisoft uh, Shanghai, finished it up.
4: Okay, wow, that's a.
0: <laughs> it, but would it, it? Which, but I know that the heart of the question is: Would it be considered Canadian?
1: Canadian enough, I guess is the real question. But we will have that
0: uh let's see how many uh let's see how many um boxes it checks off, okay?
1: Well checking off boxes I, I think we were talking about because it's coming on up is uh TCAF is coming on up. Mm. Well, Well, you wanna start there to this week? You wanna start there
0: or do you wanna get back to that a bit later on? Right. I mean it's not the freshest news we have to talk about, but it's a very Toronto
1: news, isn't it? Well, I know they have that, and I know people I was talking to were talking about the Canadian Open because they're going up against uh, Greg Norman and the Saudis' uh, rival uh, golfing league, yeah, supposedly that's, coming up. So that's yeah, that's
0: something else altogether, though, right? So it's I mean, like there's
1: controversy, as they say, everywhere. It's like I know TTAF has their own mini one we were talking to, which was interesting to say the least.
0: Yeah, well. You know what? We haven't talked about TCAF at all in 2022 yet. And usually around this time of the year, whenever we start talking about the conventions, we talk about Anime North and TCAF because they happen at roughly the same time. That is not the case this year, virtual or in person. And so the Toronto Comic Arts Festival happens next weekend, right? June seventeenth to the nineteenth.
1: So I guess it's Father's Day weekend instead of uh, Mother's Day weekend, so to speak. Yeah. So
0: yeah, that's true. Nice way to put it. Uh, that does it. That deserves a bell. So this one's in person again. I mean, I think they'll have some online programming. I think but they, they have they, a they virtual are...
1: component. They uh, said so. There is going to be that. Yeah, okay. Yes or no, is this the
0: future of conventions having parallel components like in in-person and virtual components? Just quick aside.
4: Yes, but it will diminish rather quickly unless there's another pandemic or a surge. Like so you think it okay, so it's you don't think it's a it's a long-term thing. I, well, I think it's going to be a long-term thing, but I think the attendance is going to be, you know, minor. Like if I if I remember um at the I guess the first year of the pandemic, if we want to call it that. I forget if it was uh, TCAF or another organization, maybe it was TCAF, but I think they got Neil Gaiman to speak, and like there was maybe 700 people um, at peak, and I'm like, for for that prestige of an author, that's it. Um, and that was during the peak of the pandemic where everyone was, was staying home. So I feel that like, you know, last year, of course, almost everything was virtual. They're going to get fairly, you know, high attendance. Um, but as the, um, as the years go on, like, I think this year there'll still be, you know, couple hundred, maybe, um, maybe I'm being too conservative there, but um, next year, if, if things are even more normalized in the world, there will be even less and less and less until they'll see, is it worth it to keep it going? Um, it probably is for accessibility and um, things like that. But I think the programming will continue to be reduced and uh, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And
0: rendered and undermined. Uh, undermined is probably too strong of a word, but certainly not nearly as emphasized.
1: Yeah. I guess it- Depends yep. on where you're getting your guests from, too, right? Because online component might allow you to get some guests you might not otherwise have gotten, or in the case of this year, ones that may not be able to get into the country,
4: right? Yeah, and I think are that we... will be a continued. I, I think, you know, the technology is there. People are now used to it because of the pandemic. I think it will be, um, and I think they will try to share that so that both people in attendance physically and those at home can um access some of that, but they they might also try to keep some of it to uh in person attendees so you know paid ticket holders so people buy tickets.
3: hmm
0: Wow. Well, Senior now that you bring up uh, seven hundred for Neil Gaiman, what was the peak of peak for anything that happened at Anime Lockdown in 2020, James, I think they mentioned it happened during. It was
1: Disco, disco Tech, time. and I think it definitely was above 700. I know the ones that Disco t- Tech did after that was definitely over a thousand, but I know they were over 700 for the. I first think they anime got to. A yeah. yeah,
5: I think it being close to a thousand, like close-ish.
1: Was it close to a thousand? though? okay. It's I was thinking yeah, over 900, like 900, 950 like possibly okay. i don't remember the exact
5: closer. numbers i do remember it was not four digits
1: though
0: okay i was thinking four digits but i guess we were if anything we were close and i just remember jp marveling at that
1: at the time yeah no
0: and so we're talking like a big guest and neil Gaiman's no small fish at all pretty big actually and at best 700
4: from okay. what I remember, so, from what I remember, I could be wrong there, but I re- I, re- I remember being shocked that that few people were watching, whatever the number ended up being.
1: A
0: bit of a bummer in many respects, too.
1: It'll be interesting then, because I was just looking at some of the guests, and Neil Gaiman is going to be at TCAF virtual this year, so that'll be interesting to see how that would play out then. Well, that's not what we're about to talk about, though.
2: I, I, I think Neil Gaiman. Hey, can you hear me?
1: Uh, barely.
4: Barely, but bring it
2: up. <laughs> Yo, I think the Neil Gaiman stuff might be pretty big this time with the uh, Sandman being announced and all.
4: Oh, yeah.
3: Well,
0: maybe a little bit. Sure, why not? And then I... Let's 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 be optimistic here. PCAS
1: needs all the optimism it can get. Well, it's just... It's weird because it, they had their stumbles and then they have this new stumble with, uh, I guess, what you would call their new leadership, so to speak. But it gives you that idea of they started out small. They started out like that fighter type mentality in the way that they're the small and scrappy. And then it's that thing of it kind of comes up on you. They've become so big and so like such a big thing. Like I remember standing in the line thinking and there were some people in that line. I forget which manga artist it was for, but it was these Americans. And I guess they were saying. Oh, this is like just as big or even as big as, uh, was it, New uh, New Press Expo, which is, I guess, an indie uh, comics event down in the stage, which is really big and stuff like that. And you're like, holy smokes, this it's like we've really grown since, uh, I guess, the aughts and stuff like that, where is it that was album? actually out of the parking lot of uh, Behind the Beguiling and that and by uh,
3: on and his bed. Just-
4: on his head, Except TCAF didn't stumble. TCAF was wily Coyote on a plank of wood out, as a, out, like on a precipice, and sawing off the plank of wood near the base of the cliff, and then falling. Um, that, spectac- that spectacular and that
0: spectacular poof of dust at the, in the distance.
4: Yeah, exactly. And the the yikes when they saw everyone staring at them from you know the land, saying, "Why are you doing this stupid thing?" And you know, then they try to save themselves and you know well, well that, that that's happens. the that's
0: the uh, to use your wily e. coyote uh, metaphor that's when they brought out that tiny
1: umbrella so i guess where we looked at is we probably should get a tiny bit into the details so it was about one guest supposedly they invited called i guess Pink Cat and supposedly what they're saying from their side whether we want to believe it or not is that one member of their team or whatever Liked what they saw on Instagram or something to that effect. And I guess somehow they said, okay, we'll invite this person. But it makes you wonder about the checks and balances, right? Of how they're inviting their things and say that they'll be better in the future, right? But it's definitely when you're looking at, because they are looking at non traditional comics and stuff like that. So you could understand why they might look at TikTok or look at Instagram or all these other things online. But you gotta be careful with that, right? Because some of them may not be; uh, they may be more colorful
4: than what you want, and that's being polite. I mean, super polite, considering this artist uh, openly racist, openly um, anti-Semitic, openly um, transphobic, openly all these different things. Um, then the, all the tracing controversy on top of that, and then the the main you know feature after all of those um, previews and short films. Uh, comes the the nft blockchain of it all. Um like when it comes to the the alternate comic style of it cool. Like I I don't think, you know, most of the TCAF um uh artists um and writers that they invite are I'd say more narrative comics. Um they're like maybe uh some comedy um joke strips um uh they they have had single panel um artist before it's not that it's new, but um definitely the attitude of of this artist and the sort of modus operandi is a little bit off of the you know the usual tea cafe, but you know that's fine, I like branching out in different parts of um you know uh, art plus words um as a medium um you know cool, but yeah, the fact that they didn't see or didn't vet all of all of these things and then made this person a featured guest is is what is mind blowing to me. Um, and then, you know, having to to backtrack and, you know, say, oops, one of our staff liked them. Um it's like, is that all that it takes? Who was the staff person? Did they have, how much power did they have? Why did no one say anything? Why and did no one research? Church. And that's the thing, too, because
1: Chris Butcher and a lot of the old guard uh, decided to step down. And obviously, there were things on that end. And then they brought in a new group. And I guess this is definitely, a, to say the least, a big stumbling block for them. But in regards to the statement, it does leave you to believe it's like, okay, we understand you were looking at this person's Instagram, but all the stuff you described, uh, Jeff, it should have come through, you would think, in that to say maybe we shouldn't be looking at this person. But what the statement said, just to give you guys an idea, was TCAF initially extended the programming invitation to Moiel on the basis of their daily digital comics work on Instagram and the personal importance of the work had to one of our team members at the time of this invitation the organization was unaware of her online conduct plagiarism or allegations of tracing we apologize for programming and promoting this artist we made a mistake as a promise to our community we will use this as a learning moment as we move forward as an organization we will re-examine the checks and balances we currently use to process our programming decisions and it's kind of funny too because I thought it was a learning moment before when they were trying to move forward with a new group. So they're definitely going to be under the light bulb now, that's for sure.
0: They just need... This This was one of the last things that TCAF needed after the whole Chris Butcher controversy last year, isn't it?
4: I feel, you know, like, to me, if I use my previous analogy... Uh, TCAF is now in, like, you know, seven different types of casts and kind of waddling, you know, forward, and I do have a lot of sympathy because, like, I I see so much value in TCAF, like, it's something that, you know, I can promote to students, it's something I can can encourage students to work for because it is an attainable goal, Um, not that it's easy, like, um, getting... um, uh, a comics market position at Anime North is probably easier despite less slots, I, I guess. But it's still something that, you know, it's it's relatively open um, as far as content. Like, if you have manga-style stuff, if you have daily strip-style stuff, if you have full-on graphic novels, um, you know, fine. And, uh, you know, even to the point where... Um, you know i wasn't involved in this this fandom but you know something like homestuck so you know digital you know interactive media sequential art um you know is is i'm not sure if they would revisit that in the future but you know it had its place there um web comics have its place uh there it's it's fantastic and the fact that it's free um is it's remarkable um like the fact that, um, you know, it's been able to survive and thrive and increase in popularity. Artists all around the world know it, um, respect it. We'll see how that goes after this. How long but, I, How long? And, I and they did
1: that. expand to Vancouver. But yeah, the Toronto-based one, it's like that's the most incredible thing is they've still kept it free for attendees. So anyone can go to their events wherever they are and go and listen to either panels from different artists and stuff like that, go and see different artists or mediums in that at the Toronto reference library, or even in the zine alley at Cumberland, uh, Lane down uh, across the street there. Like there's so much, uh, worth in that. And even on the video game side, it's not your typical video games. You usually see a lot of them are very experimental and kind of leave you with something to think about. You know what I mean? And, I love playing around with those type of things.
4: It's it's this incredible bastion of creativity and um ingenuity and I think that a lot of the artists who were upset about the Pink Cat um you know invitation it's it comes down to how antithetical that this artist's practices are to the, the spirit of TCAF and how much they were they were celebrating this guest. I feel that if, you know, blockchain NFTs or something were, were, was something that an artist did, you know, a little bit on the side or something, and they were just an exhibitor so they just had a table along the rows like everyone else no one like this wouldn't have been a controversy there might have been a few people going like oh yeah don't like that person here but fine like you know I'm not saying that like you know no one who has ever sold or minted an MNST whatever the vernacular is should be allowed here um I you know I as I've said in many episodes ago I'm not the biggest fan of this but I'm I'm you know fair-minded enough to say like, yeah, it's fine. But celebrating that kind of person I feel is, is antithetical to, to TCAF, at least in the the way all of this exists today.
0: Yeah. The the two elements, like you mentioned the NFT element to this, the two that stick out to me and what, what bothered me. And this is like coming out later on. It's one. The tracing, so the uh, the plagiarism accu- accusations, and then tracing uh, tracing previous works in many respects. But what really did it to me was the attitude, especially after the state after the invitation was rescinded, and Moiel released her statement. That's where that's the part that kind of bothers me. As it should, <laughs> like there was like. Like I get it, she was she's of Iranian descent, but but she just seemed so quick to play play that card.
4: It, it just sounded so defiant. It would have been so easy to just tweet disappointed, one word, and then move on. Well, I wasn't expecting. Yeah, how?
0: Yeah, sad, disappointed. a yeah. lot, uh, 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 Trumpy.
2: Mom.
4: Come on. Okay.
2: Sorry <laughs> to jump in like that. I'm <laughs> sure
4: I'm sure lots of artists who come to TCAF are single parents. It's well,
3: it was that it was it, it just there there was
0: just a lot about that, that just that that the statement that just felt so That just uh, felt so wrong. And don't don't get me wrong, I'm not totally sure I would have been into the work regardless. So this is the thing about being a featured artist. No matter how short the time frame was, you're now known to the people who wouldn't know about you. Yeah, because you're
1: kind of front and center, as they say. And we may not go to every one, but sooner or later, you're going to take a look and say, hey, what's this person about? And yeah, that's not a good look. And they should have went beyond maybe just the Instagram account if that's what they were looking at. But you would think some of that would seep through there. You would think.
5: Yeah, I was not surprised at all but at her I, response.
0: Uh, oh, at the response. Okay, the rescinding of the invitation probably uh, with 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 the with the backlash that had ensued. And and yeah, I, I I spoke with a couple artist friends as well who weren't happy about this, and they just.
5: Felt just based on my general impression of Pink Cat and having gone through her Twitter feed, I feel like she was, or I feel like she is too private of a person to just say, yeah, I'm disappointed. She just had to go off like that.
3: Yeah. So it doesn't
5: surprise me at all. And you know what? Good riddance.
0: You're okay with it. So you were fine with this. Yeah, because this is the first time we're really asking you about it. <laughs> to this episode, I mean, because you, you and James are more the like James, Kevin, Jeff. I think they're 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 probably the most active when they, in terms of going to TCAF. I've never been to it, but you three, I know, are more in, into that
3: and are regularly there. So, what's the fallout?
0: How badly has this hurt the TCAF brand? Like, like it's taken a bunch of bruises.
4: It'll it'll depend on like when when this was announced. Um, a lot of the independent um, comic scene uh, basically said, you know, they're not coming anymore. Um, it depends on if TCAF's response was fast enough that they didn't actually cancel their flights. I feel that if the the artists and writers um, and creatives who um, said that they weren't coming out of protest of this decision, I feel that if they still come, if they still have a good time, I feel that TCAF will be able to recover. If there's gaping holes um, and people haven't forgiven TCAF, I feel that they might be in a little bit more trouble.
0: Oh, Kevin, what's your thought? Well... I think that
5: the people who have been going for a long time and the people who really care about the situation and more influential people in this scene will be more inclined to not go or consider not going. I think the general populace won't care that much or. Won't care enough to boycott the event.
3: I'm along that line, actually.
0: Like, like it's like it's like what was that a Houston convention last year? Got the name again.
1: Anime Matsuri.
0: Matsuri, kind of like Matsuri last year, right? Joe average fan really doesn't care about those things. They just like the sights and the sounds, and that we- all said. And, and that be said,
1: for other uh, guests as well. So,
0: Yeah, th- exactly. That, that all said, it's the cliché. It's that popular cliché. It takes a lot of effort to gain trust and regain trust, but it doesn't take that much effort to lose it. Mm-hmm. I will say that, like,
5: personally, I'll still go to TCAF if... I'm interested in certain guests. So in my case, uh, Akane Torikai, who recently put out Sensei's Pious Lie. That's kind of well, at least here in North America.
1: An older title, but for us it's newer since they're just doing the Omnibus. But that's an yes. interesting one to bring over, to say the least. But given previous guests, I'm not uh, surprised they get that type of guest. But that's an interesting work to promote still, right? That's their first Kodansha guest
5: too, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Well, uh, I guess it depends. Like, this is the first time Kodansha because, brought
5: over a guest that I can recall.
1: Because Vertical is a part of Kodansha, but yes, when they did Vertical guests before, I don't think they were a part of Kodansha yet, right? Nope. I so in that sense, Vertical was a
5: separate company.
1: Yeah, I think it was Vertical was their own thing, and it was probably through Ed Chavez that they got those yes. Vertical guests, and that, and I don't think we had them. And they've done Seven Cs. We've done um, Viz, obviously. I'm trying to remember if we had any young press guests, but I don't think so.
5: Not to my recollection. Okay. So, but yeah, uh, drawn quarterly, because uh, before Yoshihiro Tatsumi passed away, he went to TCAF. This is much earlier in. TCAF's heyday. Like this is within the first maybe two or three years.
1: And that's because, yeah, Drawn and Quarterly is based in Montreal, so they did have uh, start relations with different uh, Canadian publishers and stuff like that. So,
5: Yep. And then uh, we had Gengar Otagame, who was through um, The Massive and On An Ishii. So, yeah, a lot of variety in terms of publishers. Uh, I. You know, one thing I will say uh, in in Akane Torikai's profile picture for TCAF, she she's wearing a, a creamy mommy shirt actually, and, and
1: she saw that, mm-hmm. and it's a stylized washroom stall. It almost looks like that she's in. It's kind of,
5: and not only is it a uh, just, it's not just any generic creamy mommy shirt. That is a creamy mommy shirt from Undercover, which is a very popular high end Japanese streetwear brand. Uh. That, that shirt costed, I think, 300
1: bucks. And so you and I know well, because, because I have one. Oh, because you have... I was going to say, how can you know that? Because their arms are in front of Creamy Mommy's face and stuff like that. So that's why I was thinking how you know that. I guess if you have one, right?
5: Because uh, Undercover used that specific print. Wow. Because uh, that season, what they did was... Uh, Jun Takahashi, creator of Undercover, did essentially eight different clothing lines in one season because his theme that year was based off of the 80s movie, The Warriors. So he created eight different uh, tribes and each tribe had their own aesthetic. And uh, one of the tribes was called the Bloody Geekers, and that was the one where they used mommy's print. Throughout some of their pieces, as well as the mascot character whose name escapes me right now.
3: Mm.
1: Well, at least for this uh, T Cat, because I believe she's going to be one of the in-person guests. Correct? At least uh, people hopefully yes. will be able to get an autograph and stuff like that. in like their last Japanese guest in 2019, which was Jinji Ito. It's like, oh boy, <laughs> just remembering back to that. People lining up before 6 a.m., like even before 5:30 a.m. Just to get an autograph. That's, sort of
5: That's the power of Junji Ito in uh, today's world.
1: Give it, give I, him I wish it had been 20 years earlier. I just would have been able to walk up, shake his hand, get an autograph, and away we go. Probably have a, probably right. have a
0: conversation, too. Probably have a conversation. Right? I remember barely
5: being able to get uh, the autograph for Inyo Asano
1: the year before. Yeah, it wasn't as bad as uh, Asano I was able to get through, but I do agree there. it would definitely, uh, you had to be there and stuff like that. But yeah, Ito was on a whole nother level. Wow. <laughs>
3: yeah.
5: Well, there. Yeah. I think if Inio Asano came this year, the line would be a lot bigger.
0: You think, you think there's that pent-up demand?
5: Yes, because so many young people have read Poon Poon now, whether... Physically or illegally. So <laughs>
1: because I think Poon <laughs> Poon at that point when big. we had him was Poon Poon was done. And then we had did yes. was just starting to come out.
5: Yes, that's correct. Because I i got Poon because Poon 7 it, autographed.
1: Because he was promoting, I know, uh it and now we have it now where it's just finishing up, so Viz will probably finish it up next year, but now they're finally gonna take it to the next level because that'll be I think his first animated uh one of his works actually adapted to anime which will be interesting how that plays out. Hmm.
0: Not bad then.
2: Well
1: bottom line, are you guys going? Just out of curiosity? I might check out the virtual, but I don't know. I just I just not feeling it yet for going to certain events. So we'll see how it goes, but maybe virtual.
3: Jeff I'll I'll
5: probably go mostly for the manga panels. Because there's usually some other manga panels that happen as well. Because usually Deb Aoki shows up, usually Erica Friedman shows up. But hard to say who's going this year. Like, I haven't looked into it.
1: I think so some I don't of it know. too is who can uh, get through the gauntlet. That is Pearson Airport.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's another that's another current events thing altogether in the news. Although
5: I do, re- if I remember correctly, Erica Freeman was not happy with the pink cat fiasco. So who knows well, if she's coming well, or not? That's
0: that's one of plenty, really. Jeff,
4: well, so yes, yeah, so I'll I'll probably end up going for sure. Um, I I did want to you know kind of tie this back, like you know I hate to bring up the pink cat thing again, but... Yeah, no, that's why we're talking about it, yeah, too. but, like, one... We can tie a bow on it, really. One of her quotes was explaining the tracing of Tank Girl as, and I quote, she is the only strong female comic that is a realistic badass not looking like a sex doll. I believe that, and this is end quote, um, <laughs> I believe that TCAF is, you know, above all for fans of sequential art and uh, comics, you know, as an art, Toronto Comics Art Festival. If this very heavy air quotes artist thinks that Tank Girl is the only non-sex doll comic book woman (laughs) character, this person is not a comic fan. And I'm not saying you necessarily have to love comics to be a comic book artist, but it screams disingenuous to me, and it hurts that someone would say that. Tank Girl, to my recollection, not even written by women, and I'm not even saying that you have to be a woman to write a strong, uh, realistic, non-sex doll female character. There have been plenty of women characters um, created, drawn, etc., by, you know, cis straight men. Fine. But just that statement is such evidence of ignorance of the medium that it only digs, you know, her deeper in that hole that maybe she didn't belong here. And I hate being exclusionary, because I like being welcoming and saying that you know, the, the famous quote, comics are for everyone. I'm not sure that they're for her. And, you know, as and, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not trying to criticize, you know, this podcast or, any, or anything like that. But, you know, because, you know, the Anime Roundtable podcast, you know, I, I realized that, um, you know, a big part of, you know, the discussions in that are the the Junji Itos of, of the world. Um But, you know, I feel that it is my duty as a, a hobbyist comic artist to, you know, also spend this time to really recommend people walk by the hobbyist and independent, you know, artists at TCAF if you do go. Um, Yes, the work is often kind of expensive because when you don't have a publisher, that's how things go. You do need to sell a zine for $15 sometimes, but, you know, you can see so many wonderful things, and, like, honestly, those artists, even if you talk to them, if you look at their work, if you compliment them, sure, they might feel annoyed if that happens a hundred times and no one buys anything, but for the most part, people are happy, you know, to to have their work looked at. they even more happy if you do buy um, some of their work. But, you know, and, and that's also what is so amazing about TCAF. You have everything from, you know, a, a 16, 17-year-old uh, kid who writes a zine to your, your viz, to your, um, you know, Penguin Scholastic, like the big actual publishers, the um, you know, Kodansha now, and everything in between and and all of that space in between is is amazing. Plus all the indie game stuff that James mentioned earlier. Um, you know, I I don't you know, for me Anime North is, you know, my you know, my Christmas, like it, it is my favorite convention, but, you know, a lot of my heart is, is with TCAF. Like, um, I hope that this stain can be washed off because TCAF, for, for as wonderful as, as Anime North is, as, you know, an artist myself, uh, TCAF is inspirational in, in ways that a lot of other conventions can only be in, in small parts of their artist alley. And, you know, there a lot of those artists are playing to a crowd. They're selling prints of the popular things at the time. TCAS, you know, artists take risks. Um, and it's everything from, as I said, you know, repeating myself now, but everything from like the hobbyist who does it, you know, in the summers on their free time to those big publishers. And they collaborate and they they coexist is the right word there's no animosity really between them which is amazing like people aren't upset that the big publishers are there people aren't like for the most part laughing at these you know small um independent artists like everything is fairly harmonious which is some sort of you know toronto miracle um so yeah, go do TCAS. Maybe, mer- maybe a miracle
1: in, <laughs> in, in the world at large these days. Yeah. <laughs> the thing, though, is you just okay. have to remember to go to all the different venues along uh, the bloor Young corridor. You don't want to be just at uh, oh, yeah. a reference library or uh, the Marriott for the pales and stuff like that. Like, as I said, the zines and a lot of that, they had put them at Cumberland and stuff like that. And I'm not sure if they're going to be there, which is across the street. In yeah, random tall, other right. buildings
4: too. Like I remember, I went to a Scott McCloud panel again for me. Like Scott McLeod for free panel signing, like amazing. But like you know, that was in an, a building nearby. So like you know, have a, make sure you look at the schedule, um, the pamphlet they give out if they're giving out a pamphlet this year or whatever app that they th- decide to go for. There's so much, for, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. so much for everyone interested in you know this medium.
1: Yeah, some are in the Masonic Temple, which are the bare ones, but even some of those small taverns uh, nearby, they've had guests there, and I've seen some guests in there, and it's very nice and intimate and different to be in that saying than, say, being in uh, a hotel uh, meeting room, so to speak, right?
0: Right. I, it's just funny you said Masonic Temple, because I, was, I, I just remember it more as a former television studio when CTV had it. Um, I have a story about that, and maybe I'll share that one day. Mo, oh well I've shared versions a version of it, but maybe I'll expand on it one day. Mo, I know you want to say something.
2: Oh no, I was just gonna chime in. Jeff kinda went a bit there, but what's worse? The uh the tracing allegations or online uh, conduct?
0: The tracing or the or the uh or the um or the attitude?
2: I mean have you guys seen what she said? I mean I'm
0: I yeah, I mean I I got a, I, I looked at it. It's
2: yeah, that's not that's not cool stuff, man. Both?
0: Neither, both no, are neither, bad, neither, but two answers. I I neither were great to me, but okay, Jeff.
4: Both are bad, but like artistically you can make the argument for tracing um in certain circumstances. I don't think that her work qualifies for those arguments, but you know, a, a skilled lawyer could could do so. I don't mean a real lawyer, but um you know, there are you know, you can talk about parody, you can talk about inspiration, if maybe she just um, you know, uh, had better references um, and didn't And but that, that goes back to the attitude the fact that she's so defiant about why she traces and brings it back to like um, you know, the admittedly terrible treatment of, of her home country and, you know, occupying and, you know, colonizing forces, like, not trying to you know, um, discredit that at all but it's it's not the same. Her attitude is worse, as too long didn't read. Her attitude is worse. They're both bad. Conduct is more don't. bad.
0: Just, yeah, it's just the sides. It's just, really, that wasn't the point
3: to me. She never really addressed it. Ah. Well, let's see
0: if uh, who gets wind of this. But
3: moving on, and as I said,
0: as mentioned, Toronto uh, Toronto Comics Arts Festival happens next weekend from from June 17th to the 19th. So it's free. If you're in the area and um, can get around in that area, by all means, it's, it is worth a checkout. I admit maybe I won't be able to check it out because, uh, well, the rest of my life has a habit of getting in the way. But let's move on for a second here. Um, we mentioned, I think in the last episode, that the first anniversary of Kentaro Mira's passing came and went. And now that pairs up nicely with the news that we now know the fate of, or the, fate of the continuation of
1: the Zerk. That's uh, kind of interesting how that all worked out because we talked about what it would take right to have it continued so it's interesting to say the least especially the statements which show there is a lot of heart in this series from all the creative team from the publisher from the fans and that because they talked about that one berserk um event they held in japan right where they just poured their heart out some of the fans and stuff like that to the work they saw and like uh, all the it things because that tri- happened thing? I think after his passing and that yeah, was and in tri- Tokyo tri- I believe
0: a, yeah it was a wasn't it like a like an exhibit a tribute exhibit yeah they called
1: it the great berserk exhibition or uh, die berserk 10 and that was by a uh, young animal I was helping to put that up and it was different I guess panels and things like that and they had a special store and stuff like that so
3: hmm
0: so, upshot is that six chapters will will be published, and then a new arc will be uh, worked on. Yes yeah, and it'll cool. be supervised by uh, Koji Mori, who was what was it? Well, I mean, where 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 did he sit on that in
1: that hierarchy?
0: There,
5: very good friends, very
1: good friends. Because remember, they had, I think we had talked about before, haven't we uh, Kevin about this relationship they had had together and stuff like that before he had started Berserk and stuff like that. And then yes. uh, where they both went and stuff like that. So if anyone could do it, it was probably him. And then remember his team, uh, basically, I forget, it was like Studio Gaga or whatever. All those people have, yes, been, under Studio him Gaga. have been under him for so many years and stuff like that. So on the art side and stuff like that, like he had a very, I think they're a fairly experienced team by now, so to speak, and stuff like that, even without his supervision. So you have them, plus you have Koji Mori. And remember, it wasn't like, oh, uh, Kentaro Mura just told him where the goalposts were and stuff like that. Like it was over many years and stuff like that, and decades that he discussed this story with him. As a friend and stuff like that, and convey stuff. So they do have what you would call maybe the bones. Maybe it's not exact. I was about to say template. I was about to say template, but maybe they aren't going to have. Like people, people are going to make their decision. Right, they're just going to say, "Oh, this is great," and they'll move forward. And other people are going to say, because manure isn't involved, we don't know if it's actually going to be his vision or whatever. But we have had works in different mediums where it has transcended the death of the creator and stuff like that. And either way we go, I think it's going to be something special either way. And I'm just going to see how it all plays out. I think that it's still going to be something worth reading because I think their heart's in the right place. The two uh, statements from uh, basically uh, Koji Mori himself and from the Young Animal editing department They had it in Japanese, they had it in English, they had it in French, and they are long statements for each of them. You can tell they have a lot of heart and they really want to do it right and stuff like that. So that is, I think, a great starting point. And obviously, they have really thought about it. It wasn't like a few months later, oh, we're just going to throw it out there and let's go. You know what I mean? Like it's a year later and they've really thought about it.
0: It seems to be news that has... You know, a lot of people happy, a lot of uh, readers happy. That's that's the thing that caught my attention about it. People are are glad that it's continuing. I think they would have understood if it didn't, but they're glad it's continuing. There was doubt, though, despite all that, the, despite all this talk about, you know, yeah, the the um, there was a template in place. Yeah, Maury had a very good sense of it. Yeah, the there was a will within the
3: staff. This really wasn't doubt though wasn't it like that's an impression i still get despite all that well there was no
0: like but 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 was it also just the emotion and the freshness of of mira's passing I'm kind of speaking into that
1: i guess the thing is we don't know what exactly happened behind the scenes right so that's where the don't comes in where you're like well i don't know if this can continue and stuff like that but obviously, on their end, there's so much passion and so much, okay, here's what we have there. And it was that thing of, we want to have, like, we love this creator so much. We love him as a friend, as a creator, as a coworker, as everything else, right? That we want to do the best for his memory and stuff like that. And this is one of the ways we want to honor his memory, I feel. And so I feel like they're on the right path. and. It, maybe it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea, but I think it—I it, think it has the makings of something special and stuff like that. And we'll see how they end uh, the Elf Island arc and stuff like that. Which is kind of funny me saying that because we're always trying to get to the Bloody Island, and now we're getting off it. Mm. It's like it
0: feel, it does feel like it has—it has uh, the blessing of Muir's family. I'm totally sure if that's to- uh, the case. I don't think much was said about how 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 um how his family feels about this.
1: Yeah, but they didn't uh, say anything in that uh, respect. But I would have to feel like with what we read and stuff like that, that obviously they talked to people that, were his family, friends, and you know what I mean. Like it wasn't like we're just going to go and do it, right? So.
0: No, no, it it does. Like you said, it it sounded like there was a lot of thought put into the events of this week and that it's been like, it's been in motion for a very long time. Even before, even in many respects before Mira passed away.
1: It's a very rare occasion that this does happen at all. It has to be a special person, a special work that makes people want to believe and continue on with the journey. And that's for like the creative teams and the actual audience. And I think that this is definitely one of those work. Yeah. I, I don't doubt. Saw, I, and you saw that too, because when he took Quintero, uh Miura took so many uh, breaks, right. And people just, okay, he's on his break. We'll just have to work with it. And then when he came back for that one chapter, sometimes once in a while, it's like, Oh my God. And, People were with him chapter by chapter, panel by panel, because they saw him grow from 89 to the present. And some of the panels comparing before in the past and then now to the present, it's like he was doing paintings now compared to what he was doing in 89 and stuff like that, which feels more simplified, right? Kind of crazy.
0: Well, it's like, I guess everything concerning Berserk evolved, whether it be the visual
1: style to the character development. Mm
3: hmm.
0: In many respects, it's a reflection of the of the creator too.
1: And I'm sure when and they it, had the discussions, they talked about that evolution and stuff like that because they're probably looking at it from the ball of wax of all the conversations that Mori had with Miura and stuff like that from decades to probably the most recent ones, right?
0: Yeah, I, I'm just of the belief, and, and to your point, uh, James, Berserk does check off a lot of those marks that you were talking about earlier. So I'm sure the fans will be happy and it'll be something to look forward to. And uh, I, as I said, as I said a year ago, it's not something I have given myself the time to read, but I know what it is. I know what it's meant to the industry and to the fandom, especially,
3: I wouldn't say especially outside of Japan, because I think it, it did have that impact there too. Just the fandom in general. Like his death was felt Mm -hmm. when it happened a year ago.
0: And I think this news is kind of, you know, the fans now are feeling that too. For something so bloody, there's a lot of love.
1: Wow. The story, it's kind of funny when you think about it. Like, yes, there's a revenge story. Yes, there's a lot of blood and guts and everything else. But it's more to it than that. And, As you continue through the story and the redemption of Guts and him finding family, losing family, and now regaining family again, it's not going to end, I think, in a simple way and stuff like that. And it is that connection of Guts finding his place in the world, finding this family, finding this fire to stand next to and to, like alight these other fires as he liked to say it uh, many chapters ago many bonfires across uh the field so to speak you know what i mean so that is something i think about and i'm thinking about now with them continuing it and it's just a continuation of that journey and of this new family that's going to continue on and probably bring a lot of smiles to a lot of people i think
0: yeah i think so i think a lot be as i said just Feels like a lot of people are happy to see it continue. Um, well, I we'll, we'll want to get the others if they want to chime in on this one. Mo, Jeff, Kevin. Yeah, I know Kevin. I know Kevin.
5: <laughs> you know, when I first saw the news, I thought it's as if he has risen from the dead. Like he's back, even beyond the grave. Uh in regards to my general thoughts about it, if Kojimori really did hear it from Mira's lips, how it was supposed to end, then I can't see there being a better person to be involved in the process.
0: probably the best guy to take the mantle at this point,
5: yeah, uh, I do see some concern from some people because I don't think they were the biggest fan of Mori's own works. Uh, I don't know if James brought it up because I wasn't there for most of it, but uh, Go ahead, he's also... Up,
1: since I haven't brought that up yet before.
5: Okay, so he drew uh, Holy Land, he drew Jisatsu Uh It's... I, I haven't read those so I don't have an opinion on them, but You know, given how his assistants are involved, I think it's in good hands. And, you know, I think...
3: You know, it's funny because... In the past,
5: people would joke about, oh, like... What if Mira dies before finishing berserk and now that that's actually happened you know people were you know distraught and people were sad and but but you know what it's all good now guys it's gonna be back and (laughs) we we will see the end you thought it wasn't gonna happen but it might very well happen now
1: and we might be at a faster schedule you never know too. Yeah,
5: you I didn't I to... I didn't want to bring that up, but yes, I it could very well be in a quicker schedule nowadays.
1: Now, the interesting yeah. thing to mention to your point Kevin was the fact of what the credits are going to be going forward, which is original work by Kentaro Miura. Uh, and then it's manga by Studio Gaga, so they're going to be doing the heavy lifting, but then supervised by Koji Mori, so he's in a supervising uh, role, so to speak, you know what I Mm -hmm. mean? So that's why I feel there's a lot of uh, good things on that front, plus the statements we had already talked about.
3: Yeah. Well,
0: I I don't have much else to add. Uh, Do the other... uh, Jeff, Mo, do you want to add anything? Or before we... um... Start going into the uh, last
4: parts of the show tonight. Worst case scenario, it's bad. Best case scenario, it's good. <laughs> like you're quite okay with that. I don't, I
3: don't, indifferent or just well, over like or it's, over? it's
4: just like you know, if, if it doesn't turn out well, then you know the fans can go back to being sad that it wasn't um be wasn't able to be finished, but they still have the original work um by the original author. Um, But on the other end, like, maybe it goes in a direction that people like or new fans um, find, um, you know, or, you know, people find something new in. Um, Yeah, so it's not necessarily indifferent. Like, I I think it's interesting um, because it's, you know, because it's in a lot of ways, um, manga is more like um a novel in in north america as composed to, as opposed to um you know our sequ- sequential narrative comics where you know authors and artists um die all the time in like monthly serial stuff um so you know that's been happening for for decades at this point um and you know these characters fill the same kind of cultural um positions um, but, you know, when it comes to, to manga, it is much more, you know, like a, a prose novelist, um, you know, here, like, you know, written word. You, that,
0: you brought up an interesting thought, actually, like that that I never really thought of. Yeah, when we think about tra- traditional Western comics, the creator, I mean, sometimes, like, yeah, sometimes a creator, they're, uh, a creator, Stan Lee,
4: Bob Kane, Please say Bill Finger too. <laughs>
0: I, mean, they, I mean, like, they, they, those become names, but they're not always involved. Often not, they're not involved.
4: They retire, they move to different projects. Um, you know, Grant Morrison, you know, defined Swamp Thing, but then stopped writing superhero comics. Um, you know, uh, Neil Gaiman did Sandman, stopped, and then came back, and then did other things. Like, it's, it's a, it's such a, it's, Relatively, a different process, um, at least for the most part. Yeah, but companies still own them, right? Like at the end of the day, um, you know, Dragon Ball is Shueisha. Shueisha. Um, So what what they want to do, they will do. (laughs) And um, Toei. So there's value in it, yes.
1: Yeah,
0: but it's just weird that you know when you think like there's a strange. Like it's it, ma- the manga tends to be a little different because the creators are very much tied to the work to their works. Like you can't think of one, you can't think of a title without its creator. A lot of the time. Well,
4: okay, maybe that's overstating it, but for you the know, most you- part, like I think, like if you look at something like um, Ultraman, which isn't necessarily the same thing, or. Um, uh, you know something like Astro or Cyborg Zero Zero um, Nine. There have been instances of reboots, reinterpretations, um, but often the original character is still linked there, uh, kind of like you know Stanley would be. Um, but it's not necessarily like a, the same sort of thing like with Berserk. Like it's not a continuation. It's a let's let's reinvent this for a new audience versus like the same equivalent like have like what happens with Western comics would be if, you know, a current, like, the One Piece author, like Oda, just decides, you know what, like, you know, um, let's uh, do a couple arcs of Fullmetal Alchemist in my writing and art style. Um, And, you know, people would see if they like it or not. If they really like it, maybe he'd get five more years of it, um, which, you know, it doesn't happen. And it's it's a very interesting cultural difference.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, artists... Uh, well not, this is more as tribute but artists imagining characters in their own style yeah uh, which other... does happen for
1: sketches and things like that
0: and yeah for gags and tributes i guess
1: i mean there are some anthologies and i've seen it with different uh mangas where they get different creators and then have their takes basically on the characters and stuff like that and I think I've seen some of them actually come out here uh, in the West. I know Seven Seas has done a few for Dance of the Vampire Bund and Maiden the Abyss and stuff like that, where there are anthologies of works where other manga creators come in and say, hey, this is my take on the characters, and some of them can vary quite wildly, and it's interesting.
4: And also keep in hard. mind, like, the percentages are reversed as far as the creatorship goes. Like, in, uh, you know, Western comic traditions like both um you know the standard shape of a Western comic. Um it's usually um an artist and writer are two different people. Um sometimes it's the same person, but it's the rarity. Um versus it's the opposite I found um with with manga. It's usually, you know, the phrase the mangaka that has, you know, um assistance in everything, but it's this one creative vision um writer and artist. Um, yeah,
0: and and then, and then when you see you hear cases of well, there's two, then that's considered that's the one that gets the spockian eyebrow, right? Yeah, Act Age was one of those, I guess.
4: And and yeah, like these are like you know, as as I mentioned at the beginning, like um of this topic at least, like these are different in a lot of ways, different mediums. Like they've evolved differently. They've they've taken. They're both sequential arts. Um, you know, I I still. You know, feel like one is like Japanese manga is in a lot of ways similar to a regular, like a regular, um, just text novelist here versus Western comics. Um, you know, have this completely different path. But both, um, you know, if you look at, um, you know, popular culture and everything, I do feel that a lot of, um, you know, especially Shonen characters um, can be, you know, to some degree, degree equivalent to. Um superheroes, like there's a reason why Goku Superman fights have you know been talked about and animated and written about um for so long because I feel that they have similar um cultural weight even even if they're a different weight, they're made of different things they're different colors they're different textures. I feel that like scale wise in each country, you know a Superman is going to be a similar weight to a Goku
3: hmm.
4: what are way to put it?
3: Well,
4: Um.
0: I guess uh, just to end it off, end off the thought on berserk anyway. Although uh, I'll, I'm going to make a reference, probably coming back to what you just talked about in a more funnier way towards the end of the episode, Jeff. When is the when is the these uh, when are these chapters uh, set for? Uh, has there been a date mentioned? I don't recall reading one, but um, they but I can't say I've.
1: They said. It well. um, The continuation beginning with this year's 13th issue of Young Animal on June 24th. They said uh, that's what the announcement on Tuesday said, that it will continue beginning with 13th issue Young Animal on June 24th. The manga will have six chapters that will go to the end of the Fantasia arc of Island chapter with the new arc. Uh, beginning afterwards so it sounds like the next issue on June 24th probably will be the starting point of those six chapters and usually they were doing before about one a month so we might see maybe one a month I think going forward if they've been spending this much time to say hey this is we got the idea for the end of the arc six chapters and then starting the next arc afterwards
5: okay
3: Mm -hmm. well well
5: you know, two th- other things came to mind. I just thought about how uh, the Embracer Group and uh, Mike Richardson over at Dark Horse Comics probably did the happy dance when they found this out.
0: Oh yeah, okay. I I, I can see why they would.
5: It's arguably their best-selling franchise now. I don't all of their stuff. Well. Arguably, because I don't it, think they own the Star Wars manga anymore. I don't recall. I think those did go back to Disney. I don't remember for sure. But if excluding, if it were excluding Star Wars, that's probably their best-selling franchise now.
0: Well, okay, conceivably, just going back, just in terms of Disney, where where are they parking their uh, their such rights these days? It can't be just to- can't, like they have some of it with Tokyo Pop, but not necessarily Star Wars, is it? I couldn't Did tell you. you. Okay. But, uh, yeah, this this is just one of those things. And it's just an interesting follow-up to, you know, the news from a year ago. More to come, I'm sure. And uh, I'm sure we'll hear the reactions as the chapters come out. And uh, we're finally getting
5: volume 41 in November, apparently.
0: Oh, yeah. So on the topic of the translation here.
5: That was, the, that was formally going to be the last volume, but
0: not anymore. Well, it'll just be the last for, well, last completed. And then we'll just see what happens next.
1: Yeah, so it's a year later, which is usually what they did. But I guess that uh, we'll leave that. They'll just continue on, I guess, with those omnibuses, the uh, big hardcover uh, prestige ones, because it was going to be interesting to see what they would have done for that last one, because it was three volumes per uh, thing. Hmm. Who
3: knows? Okay.
0: Let's, uh, well, let's start to wind it down a little bit. Um, let's talk about some headlines in brief, uh, whatever we want to call them, but, uh, maybe stuff that we kind of overlooked on the last episode. And is there something, and then maybe just talk about, uh, well, a little bit of Anime North stuff before we go to, just some updates to things we've been talking about there and you know, just start to make our uh, our own Anime North preparations known. Did you, just uh, quickly on the headlines, though. On the um, stuff in brief. Do you guys want to talk quickly about Urusei Yatsura or the live-action Robotech movie? Those those two uh, caught my attention in rather charming ways, but I don't know if it's really worth a long, uh, any
1: further talk. Or you just throw in the One Piece live action stuff since they were showing the ship and I guess stuff like that. Ooh,
0: yes, yeah, yes. And uh, I forgot that that actually came out this week. Uh, some pictures from the set, although not necessarily the actors. Um, which one of you guys want to tackle for a moment? Sounds like Mo would want to tackle the One Piece stuff.
2: I mean, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful, you know, I'm, I'm always hopeful when it comes to Netflix. But, uh,
0: Netflix yeah, but Netflix as Cowboy Bebop kinda proved hope is not always a good plan. (laughs) I I mean
4: different teams, though. Like, you know, it's not the same people.
0: Well, there's a lot of. Isn't there wasn't there some similarities, some of a few of the same people? Not all. Not completely the same, but some similarity. Some common people in in the two production houses. It's just. The thing about Like, I I know, looking back on Cowboy Bebop, there was this feeling that everything, like, some of the visuals felt a little plasticky. And that's sort of the feeling I'm getting, like, just from on first blush of some of the One Piece visuals I looked at. But then again, then again, One Piece in itself, I thought was a little bit more campy in comparison to something like Cowboy Bebop. So maybe that's just me
4: yeah i think it's fitting
2: we'll see hmm? we'll see
0: i mean i think we had a version of this call, talk uh back then when the when the announcement was made right how serious should it take itself and you know in the end those are like we we're talking two completely different properties anyway
4: from the sets like it really reminded me of like a Disneyland or Universal Studios um like you know the Mario World kind of thing like it looks like they're they're having fun with it they're keeping it not necessarily cartoony like it it doesn't look like it they they're making like uh a world with like you know uh candy cane pillars and everything like that you know and googly eyes and whatever but it does seem bright it does seem fanciful um so like i'm not not a a huge One Piece fan, but like I'm I'm excited to see this world um in live action. Um I think it will be, you know, more of a fun novelty than Cowboy Bebop was. But, you know, it's a we'll see kind of thing.
2: Yeah, I think
0: I think I, I, I yeah, I think I know where you're I can understand your thought on it that, in that sense. Uh, Mo.
2: I just feel bad, man. like we're gonna get it, gonna one season, it's gonna end on a big cliffhanger, <laughs> and then we're just gonna get cancelled. I mean like that's
0: the over under right like I mean with the way Netflix is going these days yeah that's entirely possible
4: who's the popular character they're gonna end the the last episode with that everyone will want to see more of of no he'll be there the first episode or second at latest oh boy anyway
0: James Kevin or no comment yet
5: (laughs) no comment yet just because I haven't been following any of the live action One
0: Piece news, James,
1: nothing on my end. But I think Mo has something to say,
0: or you maybe or add something else. I mean, he's the guy who the, he actually brought it up also in the pre uh, to me before we start got started. So thanks for you know thanks for reminding me.
2: I mean, I just we I I, had a whole like presentation this week with a whole bunch of trailers and stuff, and I just feel like you know. It sucks, because, like now it's you it used to be where you get one season on Netflix you easily get a second you get a third now it's just like you're lucky if your one season even comes out right
3: <laughs> well, who knows oh uh, yeah, yeah
0: that's the thing it's what's the over under one probably a push
4: it's it's not an animated thing, so it it will come out at least unlike um r i p the bone project um So, you know, Netflix doesn't hate live-action series, so it, you know, the one season will come out.
0: Well, it's not, it's not the, that's not where I think the dangerous hate is coming from, it's from fandom. To me.
4: I mean... The North American One Piece fandom isn't as strong as the Japanese one. Like, you know, for Japan it might be a fun novelty, but they'll have their manga and anime, so I don't think it will taint the brand, really. Which is weird, because, like, Dragon Ball Evolution, like, the creator was so upset with that, but, like, I don't I don't get that sense with the One Piece live-action for some reason. Like, I think it will, you know, again, we'll see when it comes out, but, like, I get the impression, like, if it's mediocre, fine, like, the Japanese One Piece fans will move on.
3: Yeah. Okay. Well? Nothing else?
2: Yeah, we'll see, man. We'll see.
3: Okay, All
0: right, well, a couple of um okay, uh, I guess uh, some thoughts. the only uh, just to just to give a quick thought on both robotech and and Udysse Yatsura, and really, these are just kickers um Sony Sony's involved in the Robotech movie. We've mentioned that before. I guess we know where ultimately it'll show up when it comes to Urdysse Yatsura. Or alum, this is like uh, old-school news. I mean, looking at that trailer, though, you know, it, it feels like, it, you know, you update the animation. So it does have a feel, uh, a completely different feel to it.
3: But my only, like, I was never, uh, like, how do I put this? Rumiko Takahashi
0: fans, you can tell like go across different generations depending, and you can tell who, how old somebody is depending on what title they ultimately fell in love with. Right. I mean, I I think I have a, I've had a similar theory about, about um, your favorite, about what people's favorite studio Ghibli work would be. I, I, I have a similar feeling about, about Rumiko Takahashi works. So a lot can be said about you, your age, your preferences, your tastes, about what, what, uh, what your favorite uh, Rumiko Takahashi work is. And with, when it comes to LUM, it's probably, it's probably more on the age side. And then, well, LUM and Inuyasha. Basically, you're getting both young and old in, the, in that argument. So I, there's a part of me wondering how, you know, older fans feel about what's about to happen here. But that, that's my thought. That's just uh, my thought. It, I'll say this much. The animation looks pretty slick. And I thought, I think, could, could look really, really funny and fun with uh, considering how the animation was in the 80s. So it, it's, it should be cool in that sense. Anyway, those are those are just my own uh, quick thoughts, and, I, and I'm not going to oblige the others to chime in on that if they don't want to. But before we go tonight, and this is the last thing, you know, since it's always proper, especially at this point in the year, we should talk a little Anime North. Um, because uh, thing, as uh, we're a little over a month away from Anime North, things... The stuff we're going to be doing there has uh, started to, or at least the murky picture about what we are going to do there is clearing up a little bit more by the day. And we are about two weeks removed now from the virtual pre-show as well. Um, Did anyone catch any of the virtual pre-show?
4: Just the very end
0: very end okay well i i only saw really the very beginning and <laughs> yeah. and a little bit of the kimono presentation it wasn't a i admit it wasn't a thing but i think it like anime north always had that together always in its online presentations had its togetherness feel to it and i think that's really the purpose of uh, of the um of the virtual pre-show and you know there was that there was that warm and fuzzy feeling throughout it Nothing special. I didn't see anime hell for that matter. Yeah. I didn't. I only saw a little bit, of, as I said, the the kimono presentation and a few other th- and a few other things, but really mainstays. Just to, and I think it it probably successfully served its purpose to whet the appetites of people
3: mm-hmm. who were
0: wanted something that weekend because it was on Anime North, the traditional Anime North weekend, and just to say, okay, just wait. Just give us a little bit longer. we are It's coming.
1: Yeah, and they had a lot of different things from different parts of uh, the programming and stuff like that. So you kind of got a slice of everything, so to speak. So different people could go in and try different things. And mm-hmm. for us, uh, I was just like Jeff as well. I saw the end, so I saw anime help. I also uh, saw so the, the end uh, as well uh, for uh, when they were signing off and stuff like that uh with uh well chris came in at one point uh and then i think andrew was going around touring the office and then kathy was in there for a moment and they were yeah. showing different things in there so kind of getting people back into the groove in a way too of saying hey this is uh where we usually uh would be on this uh memorial day weekend right
0: right and i and just to preface who these guys who we were just referring to andrew kaidosh kaidosh the uh the host of the uh, online versions um, Chris is, is referring to Chris Nabelski, who's been on the show before and um, will probably show up again one more time. Well, in the near future, I'm just not totally sure if it'll be before or after Anime North, but he will show up again. He's the social media manager at at AN. And Kathy Shutt, she's the graphic artist coordinator. A lot of the visuals, that's her own doing. She also acts as the office manager as well. So those are, those are some personalities that many uh, regulars at Anime North, like the most casual um, Anime North goers, probably don't know about. But I, we always like to acknowledge them for what they do there. And it's a lot of work. I know that. Um, I do have a personal story about, about the virtual weekend. Um, I, as I said, I work nearby, near the Anime North complex And the biggest reason I wasn't watching it was because I had to rest up. I was working overnight on Saturday night, but on the way to work, I did pass by the Delta just to say hi to the gang there. And wouldn't you know it? I passed by after 9 PM. If you remember the programming, there was like, um, I think it was D 20 live doing a two hour program beginning at 8 PM. So, When I passed by the uh, Ann office there, nobody was actually there. I think they just hit the play button at eight o'clock and then just went out for dinner. And as I was leaving, um, that's where I ran into Eileen, Chris, Andrew, and Kathy. They were just getting back to the office as I left. And we had a nice little conversation. There was another part of the other reason that um, they were all there and why this was probably going on on this weekend was yeah, there was, um, they were doing a general meeting and trying to begin the final touches for what will happen on the weekend of July 15th to the 17th. So there were, there's a lot of work still to go before, before then they're not just sitting there right now. So some things I think were firmed up. I think, uh, I know that, um, there's talk about uh, about some of the uh, policies. The mask policy is still in place. I don't know what to mention about that at the moment. I think it, I think it's a full mask policy. So just a warning: just have your um, just have your proof of vaccination still in place. I know we I know we there. There'll be talk about that.
1: And it is on the website too, Mike. So mm-hmm. anyone that wants to know, it's all there uh, in black and white about having your. Uh, vaccine passport or proof of it and of course uh, the masks and stuff like that and i know for some it's hard because all these different conventions depending on where they are right some of them have different policies and i know ax just announced things that is kind of contrary to some of what we're doing at uh, anime north right because they just announced saying that they are going to have masks but you won't have to prove vaccination stuff like that mm-hmm.
0: Just remember to read up, just like every other podcast.
1: The good thing, though, is depending on how you feel, it's like, and it's a consideration, I'm sure, for others too, is the attendance cap is not going to be on uh, for the July Con for Anime North. So,
0: Yeah, and a lot of the other stuff that you know of is uh, happening. Kevin! We should mention this, shouldn't we? What about Nomanoichi? Yeah, Nomanoichi sign-up came and went, and we both got tables we Kevin and I will be uh, will are set to have tables beside each other.
1: Oh, I was going to say, was it a shared table or separate tables? Or?
0: Oh, well, we'll be on separate tables, but we'll be uh, beside each other. It's just that it, there's a dilemma. Uh, I admit there there'll be a dilemma about to be presented in the for me with it. Um, the Noma no Ichi happens Friday on the Friday on the fifteenth at seven p.m. And I'll 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 be there for a little bit. It's just well, let's uh. We can also formally announce that anime roundtable is set to tape two episodes, both on the Friday and Saturday at nine PM. <laughs> so that that actually overlaps a little with the with our time at the Noma no Ichi, So so that'll be a bit of a a a, a rush there, right? Right, Kevin. So, have you have you um, made your list yet of stuff you're going to sell? I'm starting to create it now. Okay. Uh, well, you're probably further along than I am. I have to go into the uh, into the vault. Uh, yeah,
5: I was going to say. Time. So, uh, when are we going to the vault, Mike? <laughs> Since you, you were you were seeing if people were willing to help you out on that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, guys. Uh, so want to come in? Want to come and visit? And we can uh, visit the vault. Anyone interested? Aside from Kevin? <laughs> Mo? James? Well, How Everyone's have, Mike? working, Mike. I know, that's a problem. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah we're... Yeah. yeah, let's see if the schedule matches. Um, but I was planning to go in sometime next week and have a handful of items worth, uh, and it'll be meant, and I'll put it up on the uh, on the boards. So that's, uh, that's, that'll be the, uh, one of the other highlights for on a, On a personal level, and i'd be remiss to mention just uh just to start hyping it now I mentioned that i'm doing a panel there, and I, I know the time for that it'll well Friday and Saturday is going to be quite a whirlwind uh, that that twelve hour period beginning at the nomeno ichi on Friday night is going to be the start of What could be a harrowing 15, 16 hour period, which will culminate uh, with the panel that I'm planning to do on Saturday uh, morning at 10 a.m. And this is and this is before the second uh, podcast episode we're planning as well well, that evening at 9 p.m. So it's going to be an interesting twenty-four uh, overall, twenty-four to twenty-eight hours we're ha- going to have at AN. Yeah, we have yet to decide exactly how the two podcast episodes are going to go. We just know we're doing them, but everything everything's fluid. The I, I guess the only thing I'll mention about the panel right now is that it is a story that I think fits. The 25th anniversary of Anime North. So I will tell a story from A.N.'s distant past. And how it, I think, shaped, uh, uh, set up and shaped up what's become of it in the present. And I'll, uh, maybe, uh, maybe the next episode we do, which will be the last episode before the convention... We'll be able to talk a lot more uh, about it, or I anticipate the next episode we do will be the last one we do before AN. I'll I'll be able to talk a little bit more about it, and then we'll uh, I'll tell the full story at the convention. But uh, I really hope it's something that um, people get a chance to see. I think the time may ensure not many do, so. As much as I hope that people um want to see it, uh, maybe it's also given me um a bail out of some sort. So I don't have to feel um too much pressure about in terms of it in terms of preparing it. But uh I've given the others here a a quick rundown or a quick overview of the story. And um the game and the organizers um Eileen especially They were nice enough to lend me a couple items, which will be, um, which I'll, uh, show off during, during the panel and telling that story. So I'll tell you more about it next time. And, um, if you're up early enough on Saturday morning, hope you can, hope you come in and we can tell you the story. Listen in.
3: Anyway. I think we've uh, overstayed our
0: welcome tonight, and uh, you guys are working tomorrow, right? Well, so am I, but you guys are working in the morning, right? More or less. Yep. Okay. Well, I guess we—I guess we, I guess, uh, we should. Uh, some of us should get ready for bed. So that's about it. That's the big. That's the. Uh, that's the podcast for tonight. So. Once again, let's tell you where you can contact us. Uh, anime roundtable at gmail.com at AnimeRoundtable, AnimeRoundtable.com We are on Twitch, twitch.tv slash anime roundtable and on YouTube with more stuff to come in the future. You know what? Um, just a, as a quick aside, I know you guys also... Let's not go there just yet. That's not end just yet. How's, this, how's the video game stuff going, James? Because I know you're still trying to download something.
1: Well, me and Kevin are trying to download. We're trying to buy a special edition, so but we've given up on that. We're just for gonna have to, we're just gonna have to try again tomorrow and see if Nintendo's site uh, comes back to life in North America because they rejigged that Nintendo <laughs> of America site and the My Nintendo site for <laughs> Xenoblade Three Special Edition. <sighs> Is where they were exclusively going to sell it. And you would think with the passion of the fans and them knowing those special editions, what they sold when they sold them in general retailers like EB Games, Best Buy and Walmart and all that stuff online, that they would prepare their servers. And their servers were not prepared when you have a tweet 30 minutes later saying they're going into maintenance and it's still been in maintenance and no one's really gotten any like we can't even get it into our cart like everything is like we're in either in a queue or once you get out it's just blanked out for the pre-purchase and stuff like that And uh, yeah did
5: get some purchases. some people got in i don't know some people got in earlier in the game. there but... was
1: a back door yeah there was a back door at 6 p.m and some people got some then but who knows what they sold if anything
0: for me it's just the end of the day, the days of play sale at uh, on the PlayStation store. One or two items I have my attention but who knows. Oh it's kind And then yeah, it's just I don't know yet. Uh, and then well, remind me next time we got to talk a little esports cuz um Overwatch League finished up its first major. It's for it's uh count, um kicked uh what's it called? Kickoff Clash tournament this week. But people don't know that, um, I don't know how many know that uh, Call of Duty League actually held their third major of the season. And that actually took place in Toronto. That took place at uh, Maple Leaf Gardens at the Mattamia Athletic Centre. And I know there was at least a passionate crowd. And it might be a good test run because Toronto was also set to host the third major tournament in the Overwatch League in September as well. So that might be something to note. But it just had me thinking live events are... Have a certain atmosphere to them, but I will talk about that. Uh, I, I I know we've r- basically run out of time, but it might be worth talking about later a little bit more as um, time goes.
5: Oh, uh, also wanted to bring up one thing. Uh, I don't I don't think this was brought up while I was briefly away, but uh, in regards to the whole Seven Seas union situation, yes, we forgot about that. They okay. they hired. They apparently hired the second biggest union-busting
1: law firm. Law Old firm. tree uh, deacons in that. And I guess the other reason it was important is we had talked about Seven Seas before, and then after we had talked about it, they had uh, Seven Seas release their statement, and they also decided they weren't voluntarily going to recognize the union, even though, um, I guess the supposed union said they have 32 of th- 41 eligible members uh, that would vote uh, yes and stuff like that.
3: Yeah, so, that's so it continues, wow. to
1: say the least. But uh, mm-hmm. as they say, you do, uh, I don't think, and I, some people may take this the wrong way, but I don't think any company is going to voluntarily recognize a union. I just don't see it happening. A lot of them will take their legal right and want to have an actual vote. It just depends that, as we see, a lot of them are more aggressive, to say the least, and take some firms that take it to an extreme that it doesn't really need to go to. Just have your vote, have your say, and get it done. You know what I mean? Don't uh, BS it. But unfortunately, it's not going to go that way.
3: Well,
0: maybe I shouldn't. We shouldn't have been surprised. So not at all. We'll be keeping. No, no. Uh, but those are, I guess, all, all of what we just mentioned uh, are stuff that we'll keep up with uh, in the very near future. And, you know, I guess we'll bring up again and elaborate on it even more. So uh, stay tuned.
5: Also, um, look- the United Workers of Seven Seas does not condone harassment of any kind. So, uh- And I think
1: they said they weren't saying boycott. Not yet. But some people are saying they won't uh, support anymore. So it's hard to say which way it'll go, to say the least. But as they say, it's uh, pick your poison, right? But I think I'm still going to no, buy yeah, certain series and stuff like that at present. But that's a personal decision, a as we all say. Help. And I, I figure Kevin's going to be the same, right?
5: Funny how you say that, because there's a 7Cs sale going on at Right Stuff this week. Uh there's some things i might get i don't know uh I was thinking
3: more this continued. whole situation
5: has affected m- my thought process a little bit like whereas before i would have just bought it right away now i'm like hmm i don't know i was
1: thinking more of the continued <laughs> series you know what i mean so i wasn't sure if that was your thought yeah. process too compared to new you know what i mean but then you kill whatever chance you had for certain creators to get into the market. So it's like you're damned if you do and damned if you don't.
0: It's just, it just feels uh, feels uh, more murky than maybe how some GameStop employees feel these days. Anyway, yeah, you, I guess what I'll
5: the last thing I'll say is like I guess Jason DeAngelis cared more about his bottom line than than. Uh, paying his employees a fair wage
0: oh come on and should we really be surprised
1: about that
5: not fully surprised but just a little dis— not a little disheartening it is disheartening
1: that's kind of interesting when you think about it because obviously he was a translator before he did the first four volumes as we said before of berserk and stuff like that and his name was on there so you would think that if you're coming up through the trenches you would have a bit more uh simple I don't want to say sympathy, but you know, what I mean, a little more heart. Unfortunately, it hasn't exactly went the right way. The only other thing is, I'm not sure how much DeAngelis actually owns of Seven C's. That makes me wonder too, right? Because who knows how many other partners he has there now over the past twenty years.
0: Any anyway, I just say, yeah, uh, yeah. So, well, uh, that's a once that's a story uh, that'll I'm sure key we haven't heard the last of, and we'll talk about again. At some point in the future. Okay, now we can end it off. Uh, once again, you can contact us at anime roundtable at gmail.com, at anime roundtable, anime roundtable.com, twitch.tv slash anime roundtable, which is barren at the moment. where So is pretty much our YouTube channel, but it's there, and ultimately we'll add something to it, I think. <laughs> also, don't forget to give us a review wherever you're enjoying this podcast, whether it's it be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. Because good reviews will always help us in the algorithm, whatever form it is. And hopefully help us uh, get more listeners to stumble in on us. What type of reviews are we looking for, Kevin? I don't know. I guess any review at this point. We're not picking-
1: <laughs> I was thinking maybe some Canadian reviews too, because maybe that's what the Canadian algorithm is going to be like whenever they do C11, right? Yeah,
0: whenever.
5: Yeah, but yeah, you know... Give us a good rating so that we can
0: broaden our listenership. Mm -hmm. We endeavor to do episodes regularly, maybe roughly every other week or, or thereabouts. Regardless, hit the subscribe or follow button on all the platforms we're on. So you can be notified whenever we do add something in whatever form it is. Also, um, we keep forgetting to mention this, but if you have a Spotify subscription, check out our Anime Roundtable Music playlist for songs that are related to many of the things that we bring up on this show. The theme song is entitled Fubuki Snowstorm by Piko Misaki, which is the title track of her latest album. You can check out more of her music at PicoInfinity.com or on her Facebook page at Pico Zen Music. Well, until next time... Thanks for listening. Good night from Toronto. And join us again for another edition of the Anime Roundtable. But I will admit, aren't you glad at the very end I didn't make the Wu Tang Clan reference? After all that.
4: I'm always glad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like
3: we won't be sued into oblivion. Dollar dollar billion. <laughs>